Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. My name is Pastor Matt McClory. I'm so glad you could take the time to listen to this message. So I brought my chair from home because it always feels a little bit like we're sitting in my living room when I bring the word. And I hope it feels like that to you because that's usually where my heart is, is God's been speaking to me, um, you know, just quietly over months or weeks or whatever it is. And it's always a privilege to get to share that with you. Um, so I'm excited about my part. Let me see if I can type in Maddie's password. We're using my computer outside for kids. <laughs> That's real church life, right? Like everybody brings a computer and an iPad. They end up somewhere. Somebody's using them. You open it and you get like all of my Amazon cart <laughs> with kids check-in. So you'll know I was buying the Melissa and Doug um, cleaning set for my children. Apparently it works, like it actually cleans. So this is not a futile present. I'm actually planning on having assistance in cleaning my house now. Thank you, Christmas. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for being born. Oh man. Okay, I'm going to get this right. There it is. How's everybody doing? Do you love this venue? I do. I think it's so beautiful. We were sad that we didn't have an extra room for our twos and threes today, but I'm so glad that you guys brought them anyways at the back because we love them. They're never too loud. They're never distracting. It's actually just a joy that there's children in the house of God. All right, so if you ever have your kids and you feel like, oh my gosh, everybody's looking at me, they're being loud. I have lots of kids too. Nobody's, nobody cares. And if you do care, you probably just need to like, I don't know, have a coffee or something before you get to church because it's great that there's kids in the house of God and we love them. We don't care if they're loud. <laughs> uh, I mean, usually I can hear mine from the front row and he's in kids at the back. <laughs> uh, so we're kind of moving along the path. We've been spending the last few weeks in a series called Path to Promise. And one of the things I love so much about that is that we've journeyed through the birth of Christ. And um, I think sometimes at Christmas, it's easy to wait for like the big punch on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And all of a sudden we're like, happy birthday, Jesus. But we miss the journey, you know, it takes to experience what happened in those, those months before the Christ was born and in the years and in the hundreds of years before Christ came. And it's really this incredible path. And it speaks so much to the path that we are on as believers, where it's not some big event when we just say yes to Jesus, and then that's it. You know, there's a path and there's a journey that we get on at some point, and, and we begin moving towards Jesus, and he draws us to himself. And there's this journey that happens. And then there's that big moment when we say yes to him, and we say, be Lord of my life. And then it doesn't stop there right? There's still a path. So there's something amazing about spending these weeks remembering that it's a path and we're always being led towards the promise. And so this week, we're going to be talking about God's promise and our response. And I don't know about you, but in my everyday life and in my marriage and in my motherhood and in my friendships, um, in my learning and in my growings and in my failings, I find that there's always an invitation to respond to what God's doing, always. You know, there's an invitation to respond when everything is great, to respond and thank God for what he's doing. And there's an invitation to respond when everything's falling apart, 
than to either kind of turn into myself and wallow in the craziness of life or whatever it is that's happening or to turn in God and say, I need your help. You know, and there's always this response moment that we get. And I love that we sang that song, Simple Gospel. Do you guys love that song? It's so beautiful. And my heart just responds to it so much because I need the gospel to be simple because life is so complicated. And there's a beauty in that God made it simple for us. And we can actually rejoice just like, just like we sang joy to the world. Who is the joy that came to the world? It's Jesus. We can rejoice in the joy, rejoice. Do you see the connection there? So we're rejoicing in Jesus because he is the simple gospel. That's why when we sing, we will sing joy, we will sing joy, joy to the world. We can still raise our hands and sing it out and praise the Lord. Not because we're singing some Christmas carol that's traditional, but because Jesus is the joy of the world. I love carols. My brother on the front row here does not love carols. But that's okay because me and Katie were, said we're singing them anyways. <laughs> Sorry, Bubby. <laughs> and if you didn't know, that's my brother. <laughs> you know, there's beauty in the simplicity of the gospel and our response. So just to make it simple this morning, my message today is about our response to, to Jesus, to what he's speaking in your heart, maybe what he's already been stirring up this morning. And the incredible thing about that is it doesn't matter if you've never gotten on the path towards Jesus or if you are 40 years down the path towards Jesus. He's, he will always stir your soul because he is always doing something fresh and he's always doing something new. You've never failed too much. You've never gotten too far. And you've never gotten close enough. Because there's always, there's always a journey towards him. So that means that whoever you are, whatever seat you're sitting in, whatever you carry in your life right now, whatever you're walking through, you get to respond this morning. And can we just take a minute and maybe assess in our own hearts where we are? You know, really, like, where are you? Like, where are, what is God doing in your heart? What's happening in your soul? Because at the end of the day, it's not about religion. You know, it's about relationship. And that means God cares about how your soul is this morning. He actually really cares. He cares where you're at. He cares if you feel far and he cares if you want to be closer and he cares if you felt just kind of apathetic. He cares and he's always inviting you to respond, to just draw in close. Don't be afraid of the simplicity of the gospel and just saying yes. In 2 Corinthians 11.3 it says, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Gosh, isn't that true? <laughs> Sometimes the enemy is just crafty in our lives and he just steers us away from maybe just our simple devotion to Jesus, to our honoring him with our words and with our lives because we just love him. Not because we're ticking off a bunch of rules, but just because we love him. 
And the enemy would love to steer us away from just simply being devoted to who he is. Because that's simple, right? Devotion, that's simple. That thought, I can get my head around that. You give me 20 million rules that I have to follow and I am overwhelmed and I know that I will fail. But you invite me to just devote my heart to Jesus and say yes to him, to devote the way that I speak and think and the actions that I take, that those things would reflect that I am just devoted to Jesus. That's simple because it's not I'm going to do this and this, and if I do these things, then God will be pleased. It's just, I'm just going to love him with everything that I have, and I'm going to, I want a life that reflects that I love him and that I'm devoted to him. That's simple. The gospel has been described as so deep that a theologian could drown in it, yet shallow enough that a child could wade through it. What? If you're into, like, diving in deep, and just tearing open the scriptures and going into the depths of them, you will never find an end. It is bottomless. You will never exhaust the depth of the pages. But if you're a child who just wants the simplicity of loving Jesus, then you can wade through it. So wow, we're just really diving in already, aren't we? (laughs) All right. So Maddie and I are celebrating 11 years. <laughs> you can clap again. I mean, I know it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, and I just couldn't help but kind of relate that to what we're talking about this morning because God wants re- relationship, not just religion from us, right? So I was really thinking about when I think about a love relationship with God, I can pretty easily kind of equate that to a love relationship with Maddie. There's a lot of similarities there, right? There's in relationship, in the relationship side of things. And so, you know, in 11 years of marriage, things have been beautiful, but there's been ups and downs because, hey, we're like real life human people who have issues and we're not perfect. I'm sure you've already figured that out. But in case you thought you've entered a church where everybody is perfect, you are sorely mistaken. Um, We're all just human people doing the best we can to love God. We'll probably mess up. We might even hurt your feelings, but we won't mean to. And we'll feel like total dummies if we do because we probably won't even realize it. But just so you know, our hearts are to love you well and to serve you with our lives. That is what we want to do. That's the whole purpose of all of this, to love God and love people. So if you haven't figured it out, we're not perfect yet. And I'm so sorry if we have already disappointed you. I mean, I disappoint myself on, on a daily basis, so it's really not nothing new. Um, but we're doing our best. And the thing we've learned in relationship with each other is that a couple of things. There has to be communication. Fair enough. Everybody agree with that. There has to be commitment. There has to be a choice to love each other, even when we're just horrible to each other sometimes because, you know, we're selfish sometimes. You have to be committed to laying down your pride and putting the other first. You know, and you have to just choose to love each other over and over and over again. And you just kind of have to keep coming back to that. Even when it's not easy, we're just going to keep choosing to love each other. And we're going to ask God to show us how to keep moving down the path of our marriage and our relationship. So it, like it has, it will keep getting better and better and better. And it won't be surface love. It will be love with depth. And we've walked, walked through a lot of things together, a lot of really hard things and a lot of really good things. Um, 
you know, and I think about my relationship with the Lord, and there has to be the, the same things, right? So if I'm devoted to him and if I love him and I want to respond to him, I have to actually spend time with him, and I have to get to know him, and I have to decide that even when it's hard to, like, feel to feel all the feels, you know, in, in my relationship with him, that it's more than that, that it was my commitment to him, that he's always there. And the, and the difference with the Lord is that he is perfect. So anything that I'm feeling is because I need to draw close, not because he is far. And the more that I'm close and the more that I draw in, the more I'm able to respond to who he is and the more it just becomes simple because it's a love relationship. And I think what happens sometimes is the Lord will show us things when we're sitting in a service maybe like this and all of a sudden God reveals something to you when you're worshiping him or when somebody's saying something and it speaks to your heart. And the easy thing to do is go, oh, yeah, that's good. And then to leave and never think about it again. So there's a hearing, but there's not a response. And what I think that the Lord wants to do in our hearts this morning, if you would be open and willing to hear and receive and respond, is that he wants to show you that there's not just a yes moment. There's actually a response to everything in your life. There's a way to live devoted, but not in the way that like holds you down and makes you feel overwhelmed by always failing and not doing enough, and, but in a way that just releases you to go, I'm just going to love you, God, with everything that I have. That's what I'm going to do, and I want my life to reflect that. The same way I say to Maddie, I'm going to love you with everything in me. I'm going to love you. You are the one, and I'm just going to keep loving you, and I'm going to keep responding in a way that draws me closer to you. You with me? Awesome. So we're going to talk a little bit about the shepherds and the wise men this morning, and and in that same you know, strain of thought, I was thinking, wouldn't it have been interesting if the wise men and the shepherds, they would have just seen the star and thought, wow, that is amazing. What a beautiful, is that star moving? You know, and they're just like, this is incredible. This is like a miracle moment. And they would have gone nowhere, right? Like what if they just saw it and they never responded and they totally missed the whole point of this incredible moment? You know, we walk into church sometimes and we're like, yes, this is amazing. God is moving and there's no movement or response post what happened. And we miss, we totally miss the purpose, right? Yes, to give honor and glory to God, but for there to be a response in our lives that draws us closer to him. All right, so let's open the word. We're going to start in Luke 2 and verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Fair enough. Be afraid. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Oh, let's go up here. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, can we just pause and say this is like a pretty amazing moment? 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And this is just a freebie, but if I had just watched angels leave me and go into heaven, I would have been like, did y'all see the angels? (laughs) Right? But they didn't get distracted by the angels because they knew what they had come to tell them was such a bigger prize and such a more beautiful thing to be excited about. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So let's jump down now to Matthew, and we're going to talk about the wise men. So this is in chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem village, Judah territory, this was during Herod's kingship, a band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem from the east. They asked around, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth. We're on pilgrimage to worship him. We're on pilgrimage to worship him. When the word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified. And not Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. Herod lost no time. He gathered all the high priests and religion scholars in the city together and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they told him, Bethlehem, Judah territory. The prophet Micah wrote it plainly. It's it's you, Bethlehem. In Judah's land, no longer bringing up the rear. From you will come the leader who will shepherd rule my people. And we all know then Herod meets with the wise men. He tries to figure out where this king is and says, come back and tell me. Come tell me where he'll be born so I can worship him too. But Herod didn't really want to go worship him, did he? He wanted to take him out because he was a threat to his kingship. So it goes down to verse 11, and it says, They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they kneeled and worshipped him. Then they opened their luggage and presented gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. In a dream, they were warned not to report back to Herod. So they worked out another route, left the territory without being seen, and returned to their own country. So we have two accounts here. There's two groups of people who God revealed himself to and invited them to come and see. So we're going to kind of start a little journey now, and we're going to say the light of heaven or the glory of God will do, we're going to say three things. So the first one is, he will meet you where you are. Wherever you are, he will meet you where you are. In Luke it said, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. So he met them where they were. And the incredible thing about Jesus is not only would he send this star and heavenly host to meet these shepherds where they are, but Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of heaven, would put on flesh and he would come, be born in the dust of a stable, and meet us where we are. But we can't be mistaken that because he would put on flesh and dwell with us, that somehow that diminishes his glory or his majesty or his grace because he will come and meet you where you are, but he will never stop being who he is. 
That is the beautiful exchange, the mystery of all mysteries, that he who made man from dust, you remember in Genesis, that God formed man from dust and breathed life into him. He who made man from dust sent his only son into the dust he created to again breathe life into man. Is that not a beautiful exchange? That the God who created us from the dust would send his only holy son, righteous son into the dust to then bring life to us again. And it is just such a beautiful picture of the God we serve. You know, that he would meet us where we are when he doesn't have to, but because he wants to and because he loves us and because he's inviting us onto this path. He's inviting us to respond. You know, the shepherds were met with an angelic host and a supernatural star meeting them, leading them to the manger. That's where, that's where God met them. The wise men who were learned and studied and knew that there was a king, a Messiah that was prophesied. You're talking about two very different groups of people right now, okay? You've got shepherds who live in the fields, and you've got wise men who were wealthy and well-off and well-learned that, that knew the prophecies of the Messiah. They saw the star, and then they came, and they searched for the promise of heaven. So you've got these two people, and then you also have Herod. And he was neither king nor Jew by birth, and he heard of this king and he was so worried that his power would be stripped from him that he was, you know, in, he was invited into this. He had the same invitation. He heard that the Christ was born. But because of his own power and pride and his own concern about losing his position and his place, when he heard of the king of kings and of this Messiah who was prophesied being born, instead of stepping on the path towards the promise, what did he do? He tried to snuff it out. So there's three, three situations there. And I don't know which one you find yourself in, but I know which ones I would like to find myself in. And to be honest, if I put myself in one, I'm probably more in the shepherd category because I'm simple. I'm happy to keep it simple. <laughs> I just am. I don't need to dive into the depths, although I think it's incredible and I love hearing it and I do love studying it, but I don't need that, you know, to fulfill the part of my soul that God gave me and the, the part of my makeup. You know, I don't need all of the information. Some people thrive in that. Tell me the science, tell me the history, tell me the prophecy, tell me it all. You know, and you just come alive with that stuff and that's awesome because God made you that way. But me, I'm a little bit like a shepherd. I'm good with it being simple. I can give a yes to God because he stirs my soul. And that's it. I'm just, yeah, okay. You know, but we're all made differently. So you might find yourself in one of those categories. So the question isn't, does the light of heaven, Jesus, meet us where we are? The question is, how do we respond? Do you go on pilgrimage to find him? Do you hurry off as soon as he appears in your fields? Or do you try to snuff it out so you don't lose something in your life that you hold more dearly than him? Ooh, trust me, that one got me good. <laughs> so let's go on to number two. So the light of heaven or the glory of God will meet us where we are, number one. Number two, will announce his glory and greatness. Can you imagine standing in a field and heavenly hosts 
and the glory of God appearing around you? Can you imagine knowing that the Messiah was prophesied and then seeing this star in the eastern sky and going, that's him. I know it. That's him. I know the prophecies. That's him. We need to go and, we need to go and find him. We need to go and see him. So his glory and greatness will invite a response to search or to go where he is. And it's actually curious that there's so many prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus coming. There's so many. There's so many that Jesus fulfilled. There's so many things that pointed to this moment when Jesus came. And yet most of the world missed it. And I look at it and I don't I don't know about you, but I go, how do they miss it? You know, like if you were if you were born a Jew and you you were told the stories and you were you knew the scripture because it was passed down from generation to generation. It was spoken in your home and you knew the prophecies and you knew there was a Messiah coming and it was long awaited. And all of this stuff starts happening and then they missed it. So that's so interesting to me, but then I also wonder, would I have missed it? I mean, really, would I have missed it? Would you have missed it? In Isaiah, it says in, in chapter 9, for, uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Can I just say, you don't have to worry about missing Jesus because he will light you up where you are. He will, wherever you are. Some people find Jesus in the middle of a bar somewhere when they can't even hardly think straight. And he leads them out of a place of darkness and into the light because his glory will light up our darkness. Some people find him when they walk into a church service on a Sunday morning. Some people find him when they meet somebody at a grocery store who's bold enough to tell them about what Jesus has done in their own lives. But the light of heaven, he won't only meet you where we are, but he will announce that he is great and glorious because he is. And he doesn't need to do it so that you give him the nod of approval. Yes, you are, Lord. You are great and glorious. He just is great and glorious. So when he shows up somewhere, whatever darkness is around will light up. <laughs> he is the hope of the earth, and he will wake up your soul. Just like when we lay in bed some mornings, our kids come in way too early. And one of the worst moments ever is when they turn on the light <laughs> you know because they think it's funny to like turn the lights flick on and off and on and off and on and off and when it is like I'm talking cozy and we had the heater going and we're like snuggled up under those soft cozy covers and the pillow is just so perfectly resting on your neck and you are like out and a two-year-old turns on a light it is like ugh. <laughs> It is painful. 
but the glory of God is not painful. (laughs) But you won't miss it. You might think you're cozy living your life and doing your thing. And you might think you have found your spot, you know, and you don't need anything to upset your little rhythm that you have going. And all of a sudden the light of heaven and the glory of God shows up and he's like, I'm here. I'm here and I'm turning on the light. So I don't know what you've been doing, but I'm about to wake your soul up and it's time to get out of bed and start like pursuing me. You with me? God's been lighting up the way for a long time. He led Moses and the Israelites with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night on their way to the promised land. He led the shepherds and the wise men by star to the promised Savior. And you know that when Jesus went to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, he left with us a counselor and a gift who is like fire in our hearts, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus and he's constantly leading us back to the Savior. So he's been lighting up the way for a long time, and he's really good at it. So when you start to feel your heart or your soul or your life light up with what Jesus is doing, can I just encourage you to respond? Just respond. That's it. Simple. Respond. Don't worry about the million things it's going to take to get you to where you think you need to be. Just respond. And keep saying yes to him and keep following where he's leading you. Keep following that light and he's going to take you to where you need to go. So number three, the light of heaven, the glory of God, will invite you to come and see. And I just want to read you this lyric from one of my favorite songs this season and Christmas, and it's a song called Arrival. Does everybody know about the Peace Project? Um, It's the Hillsong Christmas worship. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. It's playing so much in my house right now. Um, So this is from Arrival, and it says just a couple of parts from it. The holy word of God is defined by name. The author climbed inside the page. God embraced our frame when he graced the world he made. All hail the divine in a manger. Love embraced our fate when the playwright took the stage. All hail the arrival of our maker. All hail the arrival of our savior. All hail the arrival of our maker. So there's this divine event that happens and he invites us to come and see. I love how Matt was talking about last week, Mary, she didn't waste a moment when she got up and she traveled to Nazareth and Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem and Judah. They both made a move. Matty was talking about us making a move last week. And it says in, in Luke 2, 8, when the shepherds heard, it said, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. They hurried off. So they got to it. They made a move. They, God did something in their souls, and he woke them up, and so they made a move. And then the wise men in Matthew 2, I love it, says they pilgrim. They made a pilgrimage. And I think I read that up. Let me go back up to my little scripture here. It says, we're on pilgrimage to worship him. We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth, and we're on pilgrimage to worship him. 
So they started on a pilgrimage, which means it wasn't like a trip up the street. It wasn't like, okay, so we'll see you in the morning. Somebody had a baby at Flagler Hospital, and you're like, congratulations, I'll be there in 10 minutes. You know, and you go visit the newborn baby. (laughs) Most um, studies say that Jesus was about 80 days old when, when the wise men actually saw him. I mean, I'd be, like, kind of offended, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you don't show up to see a baby that late. Now. <laughs> you know, but they were invited to come and see, and they began to make their way, and they made a move. So how's your heart this morning? What's your response? What is God stirring up in your own soul? It's actually okay to just take a minute and not be in a rush when we come to church even. We're not even trying to like, all right, let's get this thing going. We're going to like worship for like 20 minutes and then we're going to nail out a few things in the middle and then the sermon's going to be about 30 and then all right, I'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs> that's, that's actually not what we're doing here. It's okay to actually take a minute and let God speak to your heart at church. <laughs> It's okay to breathe for a minute and actually receive what God is saying to you and respond to it. Like right now, what is God saying to your own heart? There's been a phrase that has like been a banner. I mean like banner over my life the last couple months. And it was just something that God dropped in my spirit. And it was that God does the unexpected with the unexpected. And I think the reason that that has just found its way deep in my soul is because I feel like the unexpected. You know, I feel like we, Maddie and I, are the unexpected. We didn't expect to be doing what we're doing. And we don't always feel like we're like the champions of the earth doing it, just so you know. (laughs) But I do know that God does the unexpected with the unexpected, and that means you. It means if you feel like, could God use me? Have I done too many things to fail him in the past? Have I messed up too much? Be encouraged because God has been doing the unexpected to bring the light of Jesus to the world for thousands of years. And if you are the unexpected, then he's probably going to ask you to do something for him because he does the unexpected with the unexpected. Everything about what he's done throughout history has made his people and people who are not his go, what is he doing? It's all throughout the scriptures, from battles to the Savior coming to the earth. And I just wrote a few things down, and if it's okay, I'm just going to read them, because number one, I can't memorize this many things because I have too many children. And also, I'd probably just stuff it up, so... If you don't mind, I'm just going to read this out. It was unexpected that he would create man in his own image. Unexpected that he would deliver his people over and over again as they chose to turn from him. Unexpected that he would choose Moses to 
who stuttered to lead them, unexpected that he would make a barren woman and an old man the father and mother of many nations, unexpected that he would graft in a harlot woman to his own nation, unexpected that she would be the great, great, and so on grandmother of David through whose lineage would come Jesus, unexpected that he would send his only son to become the sacrifice for our sin, unexpected that he would be born of a young virgin girl, unexpected that he would be born in the dust of a stable, unexpected that he would send a star to guide the shepherds and wise men to himself, unexpected that he would die on a cross for our sins, unexpected that he would defeat death in the grave and rise again, unexpected that he would leave us all to to sit at the right hand of the Father in heaven, but not leave us alone because it was unexpected that he would leave us the Holy Spirit to guide us in so similar a way to that star guiding the invited to see Jesus. It will be unexpected when he comes again, but he's coming. And until then, he will keep doing the unexpected with the unexpected. You and I invited into the story. You and I with the opportunity to say yes to him. Yeah. So there's this gentleness and the love of a God who created the heavens and the earth and breathed life into man from the start and breathed life into us again. There's this gentleness and kindness in the way that our glorious God would invite us into the story. And not just to say yes to him, but to play a part. An invitation to say yes, but then to respond. Not just our yes, but then what comes after the yes. Some of you have responded in the last year and said yes to Jesus, and it's kind of stagnated there. And that's okay. It's all right. You don't need to feel condemned or guilty right now in this moment, but maybe stirred in your heart to respond, to take the next step and get in community or a connect group. Those aren't so we have like programs happening at our church. That's actually so that you find community and connection with people around you. And so you find accountability. So you learn how to get in the word of God so that you take the yes and then you start on a journey afterwards. There's this purpose in everything that we do. Trust me, I'm not into like a million programs and nobody got time for that, but I am into people knowing Jesus and finding Jesus and being in an authentic relationship with him and the people around them. So there's always an invitation This is what Romans says. It says, because of our sin, we are separated from God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. And the penalty for that sin that we have in our heart and in our lives is death. That's Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the penalty for our sin was paid by Jesus Christ. The hope of the world, Romans 5, 8, when God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So then if we repent of our sin, then confess and trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will be saved from our sins. So there, there's the road. There's the invitation. Romans 10, 13 says, Forever who, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what's our response this morning? Where's your heart? Where are you at? Is it to say, all right, God, I want to jump on this path. I haven't been on the path. I haven't been moving. You guys can come up if you want. 
You know, or is it to respond and just say yes to Jesus for the first time? Did God light up your heart this morning in some way? If you have a phone or a notebook or a pen, usually we all have a way to write things down. Why don't you just write that down? You can do it now. I won't be offended. As long as you're not like texting your, your bestie. That'd be weird because, you know. You know, but write it down. What's the response God's asking of you? But is, it, but is it to say yes to Jesus? Is the invitation just to say yes to the hope of the world, to the Savior of the earth? So we're going to do something that we always do. We're just going to stop for a moment. We're going to close our eyes just to give everybody around you privacy. And I'm just going to give you an invitation to respond to what God's doing in your heart. So you can all close your eyes and bow your heads if you'd like. And You know, if God is stirring something up in your heart and he's inviting you to just say yes to him, then I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to put up your hand. And that's just so I can pray for you and I can just acknowledge you. Nobody else is looking around, but it's just a way to say, yeah, that's me. And I'm not just going to let this happen in my heart and then walk away and kind of forget what happens today, but I'm going to put up my hand and I'm going to say, I'm getting on this path and I'm moving towards the promise and I'm going to let the light inside of me, the Holy Spirit, lead me towards Jesus. So one, Jesus loves you and he has an incredible plan for your life and he has purpose for you. Two, he's the hope of the world. He has hope when it's hard and he's hope when it's good. And in him, there's everything you need. And three, if that's you and you just feel like you need to give your yes to Jesus right now and make him Lord of your life, would you just put your hand up? got some time so if you're just a little bit nervous you don't want to put your hand up but you feel like you should it's all right just take a minute let it sink in it's an invitation but it requires your response so come on if that's you and you feel that stirring in your soul and you feel like God is lighting you up inside to say yes to him to get on the path would you just lift up your hand Jesus, we love you. You can put your hands down. We're going to all pray this together, this prayer. We call it the prayer of salvation. And uh, I would love it if we could all, as one big church family, along with these people that have raised their hand, if we could pray it with them. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me and that you died for me. Come into my heart. Give me a brand new start. Forgive me of my sins. I choose to follow you for the rest of my days. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give those people a...
Awesome, congratulations. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray it bless you greatly. Please visit us at www.colonialchurch.life for more.